1: So if the keeping of the law cannot save us, why did God give it to us? Good question. We have some good answers as you join us for Truth For Today, next. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, welcome to Truth For Today, the ministry featuring our teacher and pastor. Pastor Phil Howard. Today, we return to the book of Galatians, and we're focusing in on the law and the fact that it is powerless to save, but it was still given to us by God for a specific purpose and reason. And it is that reason and purpose that we're looking at. Won't you join us? Again, from Valley Bible Church in Hercules, here's Pastor Phil Howard in the book of Galatians, and why God gave us the law Even if it can't save us.
2: Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. Do you know what that means to be conscious of sin? Uh, I do because I married a CHP woman. She ought to know Dave Smith. My my wife needs to get a badge. I'm surprised they didn't turn me in yet because we're, we're driving along and I have a loose interpretation on the law. I'm not a, not a legalist. I know 65 means 80. Can I get a witness? Get a, you know, Let's get on Highway 5 going to Bakersfield. And you think 65 means 60. Honey, you're dead. They're passing me at 80. Right? Have you ever gone down there? Out there and all that? Weather? And I, I just take a loose interpretation. I just feel it. He just frees me. And, and, and this is what I ride with over here. Uh, Philip, are you aware well? how fast you're going? Yes, I am. Uh, you know, you're a pastor. Well, what has that to do with the speed limit? I'm going to tell the elders on you. Tell them they all break it too. And I'll have Smith write off. He'll sign off on it. See, and then ah, uh, just pulls it, got me over. What's your problem? Well, we clocked you doing 80. Yeah, well, God's good, isn't he? He sure is. I hope he supplies. <laughs> supplies what? The money he's going to take to pay for the No, hey, I'm a, pa- I'm a man of the cloth. You might be a man in jail. <laughs> what, who do you think you are? I'm here to enforce the laws of the state of California, and we spell 65 this way. Boom. There. You spell it this way. But I've gone to seminary, sir. Well, I've gone to law school. You can't do that. I can't what? And the law is there to tell you, you may not get caught, but you know you broke it. So inside, you know you broke it. You have no defense. And I found it's real hard to switch over to the passenger side while we're still going. It's been real tough pray for Carolyn. And so that's what the law does. It just gives you the boundary. Don't go beyond this or you're breaking the law. And you know what? I love to go in zones and I never see anything. I didn't know. Well, we just never give a ticket for you if you don't know. The law wants you to know. It will inform you. And that's what it does. Look at how many things we do in our lives. Our secret sins, our attitudes. And, well, I, it's okay. I don't feel bad. Why no? You run over your mother and don't feel bad. We can't count on you. Who is the standard keeper? You? Or is there a standard? God says, I gave the law. And the law is God's dictionary about what he thinks is right and wrong. And that's the only dictionary you'll be judged by. You won't be judged by my dictionary. I remember we had a man in this church one time uh, committing adultery, adultery openly and and blatantly, and he he just uh, he just told me this this is a true story. I was first beginning radio, and uh, uh, I was operating out of Quentin House and recording it, and we were just getting started. And, and this guy one day just coming to the church and said, "Let's go to lunch." Okay, we go to lunch, and so. Uh, he was a businessman, and he said, uh, Hey, could you use an answering service at the church? I said, Yeah, man, we don't have anything. We're renting the hall. We're renting this. Sure. He said, Good. He said, Well, I've got an answering service you can use. I said, Man, you can have it. I said, Great. Man, that's nice. I think we'll use it for the Lord. And then if we went a little bit further. He said, I need to tell you, it's hot. Hmm. I guess another Richmond boy. I thought, man, this is a bold dude. Hot where I come from isn't just the weather. It's hot. I said, you mean stolen? He said, yeah, I got a good deal on it. I thought, thought, God, this is who you sent to the church? Uh, And I said, you don't mean stolen. He said, oh, yeah. He said, you know, I just got a good deal, but Jesus could use it. Well, uh, then we roll a little bit further. And while I'm trying to figure out that one, he, he starts telling me about uh, this woman living with him. And uh, I said, well, oh, how long have you been married? He said, well, we're not married. I said, do I ask? I said, well, you're living in separate bedrooms, right? I mean, you don't have bedroom privileges. He said, <laughs> you're kidding. He you did that to me. Yeah, you're kidding. I ain't living with the chick I don't have bedroom privileges with. I said, Otherwise, you're living in adultery. So, well, we're planning to get married, so we don't count it adultery. Okay. So, uh, I said, you know what? You put me in a dilemma. I got to tell my deacons. I had nine deacons, all been saved, you know, 18 weeks. That kind of, I mean, just a bunch of young guys. And I said, hey, this is what this guy's saying. He's pretty big. I think he might hit me if I take him on myself. And so I remember there was, after service, uh, 10 of us surrounded him. There's strength in numbers. So we just r- surrounded him. And I told David, hit him low. I'll hit high. And, you know, be ready. And uh, so we told the guys, hey, you, you're living in sin. You can't do that. That's wrong. And he said, hey, you guys can't tell me what to do. I do as I please. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to get married. This isn't sin. Lay off i would never been here before. I'm just starting a little church. I just want to teach the Bible. I don't want guys giving me hot stolen goods and telling me what chick they're sleeping with. What are you going to do? You are a Christian? Yeah, I'm in good standing. And I remember when we laid it on him, when he said, this is not sin, one of the men just put his finger on the chest and says, we're operating out of God's dictionary, not yours. Whatever God calls it, we got to call it. Watch in the church. Watch for this favorite verse. Judge not that you be not judged. If you don't know what that means, come on, I, this is not even my sermon. I'm talking as a pastor. I will tell you what that means. Judge not there. If that's Matthew 7. And he's saying, if you've got a, a bigger problem in your life, you've got a log... You're not qualified to take out a splinter. So don't be judging people. They got all these problems, because he's telling them you're being hypocritical, you got a bigger problem. So you'll hear people say, Well, that's sin. You can't judge. I can't, but I can use God's dictionary. And he's the one that judged. If God calls it something, he's the judge that made the verdict. I just read the mail, and he said, What you just did is hand me something stolen. And as I understand his dictionary, you're not to be stealing things. As I understand it, if you want sex, think enough of the person you want sex with to maybe get married. So we don't father bastards. And we don't have our streets full of kids that don't know their dad. Well, I don't like. I'm free sex. Are you? God has boundaries in sex. And the reason God puts such big boundaries around marriage and sex is sex is not animalistic in the Bible. It always is assumed it begets offspring, and he doesn't want them to be called illegitimate. You've got to protect a woman and protect the offspring, so we make a covenant in witnesses, before witnesses, and they made the marriage contract in Malachi as a covenant. You're not married till you make a covenant. Not just going to bed with a chick is not a marriage. It's when you make a promise that you may be proved to be a liar and a jerk, but at least make the promise. The biblical way of sex and intimacy is this. You first, you first look on character. You see them, and that was done by your parents in the Bible. By the way, you know what's rough about Christian dating? There's no Bible on dating. We only have one verse on dating. They never dated in the Bible. They just got married. You first had the parents arrange it. You'd make a covenant. And then you were intimate. Because you see, knowing them and intimacy always demands covenant. So we protect everyone affected by this relationship. So your children can say, I was born in a covenant community and sex sex biblically is the renewal of the covenant it's a covenant reminder you got this privilege through a covenant and you can be intimate with god because he made a covenant with you sealed in the blood of his son the blood of his son made the covenant with us and every time you have a great worship service And every time you're very intimate with God, you can say, I got this because I entered into covenant with God through Jesus Christ. He gave the law that we might know what is sin. I'll drop all the other reasons so I get back to Galatians. Look at what he says, Galatians says. But you just got some great stuff. You better take notes on it. I had to be with the thief to get that illustration. By the way, we threw him out of the church. He never came back. I hope he's saved. He said that the word of God here, that the law could not impart life. But what did it do? Notice verse 23. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law. Locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. Two terms, three terms he uses. The law is like a jailer, a guard. He says that sin shut us up. Here they translated it locked up, and that's the idea pinned in. And the law became the jailer. And then he uses this word supervisor, which was a child trainer, it was pedagogos. The law was a child guardian. To bring us to Christ. In a child guardian in the Greco-Roman world, from the age of six to 16, you had to have an adult slave escort your child to school, to the marketplace. We call them a nanny. But they were usually older slaves that could not do hard physical work, had become trusted, and you were with that child going to school, coming home from school. You were the nanny. And he says, God gave the law as God's prison house, jail house for offenders. And it circumscribed the limits and shut us up. We have broken the law. We are now sitting in the county jail. And guess who the guard is? The law. You broke the law. I'm going to guard you until someone can get you out. And nobody under the law can get you out. There's nobody on our side of the bars can get you out. There's only one person who has the authority and the power to unlock the prison door you're in, and that's the Christ. He unlocks doors. He sets you free. And so right there he's talking to these Judaizers. You know your rabbis say none of you keep the law perfectly. You know if God hadn't given Moses a sacrificial system and the tabernacle that pictured Christ and atonement and someone burying your sin as a scapegoat, there'd be no one survive. But the law has been a guardian guiding you through the centuries, guiding you, leading you as this uh, pedagogos this child conductor, and he wants to lead you right to Christ. You've been incarcerated. You've been in prison. And how can Christ get you out? Christ will get you out on a promise. Let me give you a few promises that get you out of the prison and the guardianship of the law. Hear this promise. Listen now. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Okay, now you hear that. Wait, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. This Christ that died, was buried, rose, believe in him, and I'll save you. I'll deliver you from all penalty of sin. I'll deliver you from your prison house. I, I get out on that's too simple. It was too simple for Abraham. Abraham, I'm going to bless your seed like the stars of the heaven. I believe you. Just kept going. What do you mean I believe you? Well, um, you said it. You didn't ask me to perform it. You said to believe it. I don't have to father a nation. Matter of fact, Sarah's already got Hagar in waiting. It's not your perfect plan, but... I've already given up on Sarah, but if you say so, I believe you. And if you read Romans 4, it says, He did not weaken in faith, but he said, He who has promised can perform it. Now, hear me. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and now of you say, That's too easy. That wouldn't work for me. I, I got to do something. I just, uh, Wait, 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 wait. A promise from God depends on God to perform it. The law depends on you to keep it. But when you're saved under promise, God must be the power that keeps the promise. Here's another one. Romans 10, 13. That's a little hard. Listen to me. Hear me. Be quiet. Oh, you're quiet enough. Whoever calls... On the name of the Lord shall be saved. What? Wait. Whoever keeps the Ten Commandments shall be saved. Whoever shall call on the name of the Lord, shall be saved, which equals delivered from every aspect of sin, the prison house of it, the penalty for my sin, the power of sin. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, this is the promise he gives. You call on me, you get me on the case, I will save you. And if you read the rest of Romans 10, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord, you shall not be ashamed. And the word means you will not be disappointed because he didn't carry through. I will do the promise. For God so loved the world that whosoever keepeth the law shall receive eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever works... Believes. Now, Now, who else believed and God did so much for? Abraham, not Moses. Abraham. I'm reading Deuteronomy. Moses saying, listen to me. There's only two of the original crop that's even going into the land. I'm not going. Aaron's been buried. Miriam's been buried. Joshua and Caleb are going to go with you. I've buried your grandfathers. I've buried your fathers. I've buried your mothers. Because we've been stomping in this wilderness for 40 years. Because we're full of unbelief. If we would have just believed the promise of God to Abraham in Numbers 13 and 14, we would have moved in and took over 40 years ago. I know some believers still marching in the wilderness. They just don't believe God can pull it off. Have you ever heard of a promise that goes like this? But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory... By Christ Jesus. Is that a promise or something you've got to do? I uh, must stop to keep people from going wild in the parking lot. But let me say something to you. I read this a while back and I thought it was beautiful. One of the hardest jobs in the world is to be called by a woman who says, My husband just blew out his brains. Would you tell me where God was? Or to have somebody bring in and said, my, uh, my husband just raped my daughter. Can you say this worked for good? Would you explain it? Or to have a, I've dealt with a lot more women about this. My husband just found another woman. We've got three children. I'd like to know where, where was God? Where was God? Would you, uh, would you be a masterful theologian And give me good enough explanation that my heart will not be broken. And um, I read something a while back that just said it all for me. Christians don't make it on explanations. They make it on promises. Sometimes nobody in this life will ever be able to explain it good enough to make it make sense. Because sin is insanity. Have you seen a life spent in sin that everything they touched was wasted, uh, destructive, uh, relationships split apart? I mean, kids crying, uh, divorce papers signed, uh, property settlement, uh, a girl that uh, has had her innocence forever destroyed by a lustful so-called stepfather. How can you give back to them what sin took? But you see, we don't make it on explanations. We make it on divine promises. I can get you through even when sin breaks your heart. Grace will be greater than sin. For where sin did abound, grace will much more abound. God seems to do his greatest and best work in the messes of our life. He's able to step in there when there's no explanation. No one can alleviate the pain. Uh, who will give me my husband, my wife back? Who will make my kids? Uh, uh, I think of this uh, uh, Anna Nicole Smith. I mean, the son passes away. She's gone at 39. All of her life, wanting to make a name for herself. And when you get a Hugh Hefner, get her on the front page of Playboy. And she really found success, married a multimillionaire, got all the money she could stand. And at 39, no more. Sin will always leave you with gravel in your mouth, but god 's promises can take an old man in a Bedouin tent and fill the earth with his descendants, even to this day, and even a Messiah come out of an old moon worshiper that thought he would never have a child. All he did was, I believe the promise of God. And you know what your future's based on, your only hope? is to believe God's promises about your life. We can't undo the hurts, but I must say this. There's a marvelous healing in Jesus. He can, uh, he can make the prostitute feel clean again. He can take the drunks and uh, addictive habit for Jack Daniels and turn it into milk money and make him a brand new dad. So that what this great, great defense here is, don't try to put people under law. The law is a jailer in a prison house. It's so that we were criminals, that we'd been arrested for really breaking, and we needed to know we were guilty. But there's no one to get us out of the prison house unless it's the seed of Abraham called Yeshua Hamashiach, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And that's what he's saying. I'm presenting the one that can go your bail. And more than that, he's not only paying your bail, he's paid for your crime. And he's offering you eternal life. Believe a promise. Don't think you'll ever make it on performance.
1: And that will conclude our time today here on Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard.